You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. I want to talk to you from the subject, Finding Freedom. We're going to pray one more time and then we'll get started. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you already for what you're doing in our hearts. God, we thank you uh, for waking us up. Father, right now, uh, you know uh, each person in here individually. You know what they're going through. God, you know what it took for them to get here this morning. And God, there's no way that I can speak to every situation that everyone's going through. But Holy Spirit, I know that you can. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me. God, that the words that people need to hear, that it would be heard. God, that the seed would fall on good ground. God, we want to leave here changed. God, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change our world, change our workplace, our neighborhood, our families. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say amen. Amen, amen. There's something about the idea when someone says there's more. Let me explain because you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, There's something about this idea of knowing that there's something more, that that, that what you first got, uh, that there's something to come after that, right? For instance, my son and I, we went, or my family, we went to the Oakland Zoo and, uh, which is, woo, yay, animals, right? Um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. For all you PETA people in here, I like, I love them. It's, they're great. Um, so we went to the Oakland Zoo and uh, we, we looked at all the animals and then we finished. And outside of the zoo, there's like this little uh, uh, merry-go-round and a roller coaster and, and all the, and all those like fun little ride the train. And so we left, uh, we left the, uh, the, the animal area, we went to this little playground area, and uh, there was this r- dragon roller coaster. And I was like, Eli, let's go on this. He said, no. I said, Eli, you don't have a choice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I encouraged him <laughs> to, to get on with daddy. And so we, uh, so, so we got on there, and the guy was like, hey, we're going to go around two times. And we're like, that's awesome. So we go around the first time, and my son is like freaking out. The second time we went around, he was like, wow. Like he was screaming, having fun. And I was like, yeah. And then he knew that it was only supposed to go around twice. But the guy was like, hey, we'll go around one more time. And Eli, his eyes lit up. And he was like, wow. There's something about knowing that there's more. Infomercials, those are infamous for, for saying, but wait, there's, there's more. I remember, and it's funny because like the later that they're on, the more you're, the more tired you are, the more prone you're to like, yes, I need that, right? And so oh, here we are, are here. I'm watching TV and it went into an infomercial about, um, it's supposed to give you like a six pack. <laughs> I was tired and I believed. And so, 
<laughs> so so here, here's the infomercial, and the guy's like, do you have a belly? And I'm like, I do, I do. Do you want to get rid of your belly? Yes. Then he's like, we have the thing for you. And I'm like, whoa. I'm excited, right? And then he went into this. But wait, there's more. And I was like, really? He, he said something along the lines, you don't even have to work out to get it. Hey. So, baby, give my wallet. <laughs> this idea, yeah, fast forward, I did buy it. It didn't work. <laughs> But this idea of there's more. See, I think it's, what what I'm trying to get at is last week we looked at in our Fantastic Four was this idea to know God. Like this is the the foundation of, of, of why we exist as a church is we want people to know God. But wait... There's more. See, because we don't want people to just stop at the process of knowing God because we think that there's more for them. See, the idea of God's love is so amazing, isn't it? I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 in verse 18. He says something, and I'm paraphrasing. He says something along the lines of God demonstrated to us his love. By doing this, while we were still sinners, let me paraphrase, while we were still messed up, come on somebody, while you were still sleeping around, come on somebody, while you were coming off your high, while you were still drunk, come on, while you you were still angry, while you were still yelling at your spouse, in your worst state. He loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus for you. And I think that's the foundation of knowing God, this idea, God, you accept me and you love me as I am. But I think if we stop there, we sell ourselves short of what everything else God wants to do in our lives. See, because while we know God, he's saying there's more. There's more for you. See, the way that I like to see it is that God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you so much more than that. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. But he wants to change you and mold you and shape you. And to the person that he has created and called you to be. But in order for that to happen, there are some things in our lives that he has to remove. There are some things in our lives that he has to free us from in order that we can, John 10, 10, Jesus said that he came not... Uh, he came so that we can live life to the fullest. So there are things in, his li- in our life that he wants to free us from so that we can walk in the fullness that he's called us to, 
to live in. Freedom. This morning we're talking about freedom, finding freedom. There are some things in our life that God just needs to free from us. Some of us, God needs to free us from anger. Some of us, there's addictions that we have God wants to free you from. There's some mindsets that God wants to free us from. And here's the interesting part. Like, if you're honest, there are some things that we would just raise our hand and be like, yep, I want him to free us from that one. I hate this anger thing. God, free me from that. Those are the easy ones. Those are the easy ones that he wants to free us from. Those ones that like really don't benefit us. But then on the flip side, there are some things that God wants to free us from that we either don't know that it's hurting us or we just enjoy it so much we don't want to get rid of it. And so he wants to remove these things from our lives. Now, now get this. If God created you, which I believe that he did, then I believe that there's nobody else that would know the things that, that, that would propel us than what the creator would speak into us. Does that make sense? So there is no one better than the creator to know what you need, what you don't need, so that you can reach the John 10, 10, the fullness of life that he has for you. And I think this helps so much, this idea of knowing that, that God knows best of what we need and what we don't need, because for the very reason, there's some things in our life that we enjoy that God's like, mm. If you want to grow, you're going to have to. And so what, what we need to do is rather than, than understand what we want or what we don't want basing off of our feelings, we need to be able to go to God and say, God, show me. What are those things that are holding me captive? What are those things that are bounding me? What are those things that, 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 that are in my life that are preventing me from, getting, from going from right here to right there? I love the verse that uh, the psalmist wrote in Psalms 139, 23 through 24. Here's what he writes. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I love 24. Point out anything in me that offends you. Point out anything inside of me that offends you. See, I believe this verse right here, 139, 23, and 24, could be our daily prayer. When you wake up in the morning, God, point out anything in my life that offends you. Remove it from me. Free me because I want to get to the fullness that you promised me to be at. Which brings up a question. How do we, how do we know how does God point these things out to us? A couple ways. Uh, I think this is in your notes. I'm not sure. <clears throat> uh, the first way that God, when, when we pray, God point out. Can we keep 139 up there, please? Uh, when we pray, God point out anything in, in, in me that offends you. Here, here's a way that, that God, three ways that God will respond 
or how he'll, how he'll show you. First one is people. People. And I'm not talking about Christian people. Ever since I was a youth pastor, my strongest conviction, maybe some of my youth that were with me, they, they, they remember me saying this. Like I always allowed non-Christians to convict my heart. Because it's people who don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus, but they know what you're not supposed to be doing. And so when they know that you love Jesus, for instance, I remember I was, one time I was hanging out. I was 19. I'm 34 now, so there was, I'm just saying there was some time between story and now, okay? Like, I don't want you to be like, that was yesterday. It wasn't. So there was a time I was hanging out, I was at a party, and, um, and I was, I was, man, I was drunk. And we were in a circle, we were playing guitar, I might have even been high, too. I don't even remember. Like, <laughs> Jesus, they're judging me. Forgive them. <laughs> So here I am, I'm in a circle, I don't know, I'm on something, right? And, and I'm like, I'm, play, I'm playing the guitar, I, I, I'm lit to the highest, and, I, and then I start cussing, and, and I had one buddy, he didn't know Jesus, he, he was crazier than I ever could be. He leaned over to me and he was like, hey, I'm like, hey. He said, are you supposed to be doing this? Like, don't you go to church? Instantly sobered up <laughs> right there. Why? Because, listen, people know. People who don't know Jesus, they know what you should be saying, how you should be acting, how you should be responding. I think it might be wise to start having a couple of unsaved people in your corner. To help you. So that's the first one, people. Here's the second one, prayer. I believe if you go to God and you're like, God, point out things that offend me, and you just, you just, shh. Here's the biggest thing when, when we pray is that we're always talking. God, show me this. God, show me that. God, do this. God, do that. And God's like, like he's, he's like, he just won't shut up. Like he's a, Like sometimes we should just pray, God, point out anything that offends me, that offends you. And just wait. Again, some things are going to be completely obvious. Some things, it takes a little bit more revelation from God. So, so God shows us through people. He shows us through prayer. Here's the third one. He shows us through his word. Do you want to know what he thinks about anger? It's in the Bible. You want to know what he thinks about drunkenness? It's in the Bible. You want to know what God thinks about identity? It's in the Bible. You want to know what he thinks about sleeping around outside of marriage? It's in the Bible. But here's the good thing. It's a process. See, that's why I love Discovery so much is because we want you to come as you are. 
You don't have to believe to belong. We're not asking you to come already perfect and made because FYI, no one is perfect already. And so we want you to come and to know God, but allow God, say, God, you have access to me. So begin to show me. See, I think that's what's different from now, from church life in the past, is church life in the past was like, you can't come here if you're messed up. And so everyone was going to church all like, I got my stuff together. They get in the car, they're cussing out their kids. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we're going to pray right now. Just... <laughs> and so what I'm wanting you to understand, because I know that this can be heavy, right? But I want you to understand that there's hope. I want you to understand that God loves you as you are, but he has so much more for you. We just got to get to that place where we're saying, God, free me. God, free me from those things. And I promise you, you give him access, he'll begin to remove things from your life. And he'll begin to mold and shape you so that you can live a life to the fullest. I love that. Living life to the fullest. So he wants to to free you. He wants to to free you from things in your life. And so once God identifies areas that, that you and I are chained in, we have to respond. See, there's no point of saying, God, show me the things that offend you. And he shows you, and you're like, "Mm, next. (laughs) I enjoy this one, next. Greed, okay, I can do that one. Like, we got to respond. When when, when he shows us, we have have to respond to to what he's doing. And, and, And so that he can free us. From these chains. And and this is exactly where that story that we read at the very beginning. Paul and Silas. They're hanging out. And really the part that I don't think we read yet. Was um, they, they were going into town. And there was this girl there. The Bible says that she was a little possessed. She was a little crazy. Uh, her masters were using her to, to like fortune tell and stuff. And Paul and Cyrus, they come in and like, yo, that's not right. And they pray for her and she's free. That's awesome. Well, except uh, the owners of the girl, they were a little upset because they just messed with their budget. <laughs> How are they going to make money now? And so that's where their, our story comes in. They, they, uh, they get mad, so they drag Paul and Cyrus in the middle, and they begin to beat, it, beat them and flog him, and then they throw him in the prison. And here is Paul and Silas in prison. They're chained up, sitting there, falsely accused. They didn't do anything, as a matter of fact, that should justify them being imprisoned. 
And they're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, something happens. All of a sudden, something in the environment changes. And God uses an earthquake to break the shackles and the chains from their hands, from their feet. And I was reading this story this week, and I really felt like God was saying, this can be you today. See, there's some of you, some of us in here, like we're working, but there's others, there's just things that, that are just chaining you down. Like you can't experience freedom because you're so bound. This morning, God wants to to know that that he wants to break some chains. He wants to do something in your life so that you can experience John 10, 10, the fullness and the richness of the life that he's called you to experience. And so this morning, as as we're closing, I want to give you, um, I want to give you two ways to foster a life of freedom, two ways to foster a life of freedom. And we see this in the story. You're, when I say them, you're going to be like, duh, just fake it. So two ways that we foster a life of freedom. Here's, here's the first one. I love this one. Number one is this, community. Community. The first thing that stood out to me when I was reading this story was this idea that Paul wasn't by himself. It doesn't say that Paul was doing ministry alone. It doesn't say that Paul was doing uh, life alone. It didn't say that Paul was rotting in prison alone, but rather it said that Paul was with a person named Silas. Community is important, is important. And and here's the greater thing that I see within Paul and Silas is that there was community, but there was like-minded community. They were kindred spirit community. They were on the same page community. See, there's good community and then there's wrong community. There's good friendships and there's not good friendships. There's good relationships and there's not good relationships. Paul and Silas, here they are, they're in prison, but they're together. They have each other. And that that reminded me of, of what Jesus said in Matthew, I believe chapter 17. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, in Jesus's name, there, Matthew 18, there I am among them also. See, that's huge. Because he said, where two or three are gathered, I'm there. Last time I checked, where is it at? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17, Paul writes, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you see how community works? Where two or three together are gathered together, there God's there. And FYI, when God's there, When Holy Spirit's there, there is freedom. See, that's why we're so big at at community, at discovery. Shameless plug. That's why we tell everyone, jump in a group. That's why we created mixers. 
Shameless plug. There's one next week for all the women. One woman. One lady. That's awesome. Bless her, God. That's why we have growth tracks, so you can get to know someone in a smaller setting. That's why we, uh, that's why we, we, we encourage you to do Dream Team, to get on a team, so you can get to know other people. Why? Because community is important. You need a Paul, you need a Silas in your life that'll tell you when you're tired and when you messed up and you just want to lay down on the floor and give up. You need someone to come alongside you and say, no, you can do this. Get up. God has something for you. Community. It's huge. So the first way that we foster a life of freedom is community. Here's number two. The second way that we foster a life of freedom is through worship. The Bible says that Paul and Cyrus, they were there and and they began to pray and to sing. Think about that. I feel like if you do that in prison now, like you're a target. (laughs) You just sing. It's no good. That was Sleeping Beauty, by the way. You anti-Disney people. (laughs) Worship. Worship. The psalmist in Psalms 22 and verse 3. One of my favorite verses. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of of Israel, the praises of your people. Now watch this. This is this is gonna, the word enthroned is a, it means to sit down. It means to stay seated. It means to hang out. Think about this. You are holy God enthroned, seated. You're staying. You're not going anywhere. When? When we praise. When we worship. That word praise is the word tahala. Tahala. Not tequila. Tahala. And that word means to praise. To give adoration. To give thanksgiving. And so the author, the psalmist, he's writing and he's saying, he's basically painting this picture that when you begin to give God adoration, when you begin to give him praise, when you begin to give him thanksgiving, he gets his holy chair, he sits it smack down in the middle. And he just stays. And he just listens. And so, John, why, why did you say worship? Because he, here's, here's what I believe wholeheartedly. If you want to foster freedom, you have to have something that looks more desirable than those things that you don't want to get rid of. And so when we begin to worship, when you begin to say, God, I'm so thankful for who you are, 
God, you are so great. You are so holy. What we're doing is we're placing our focus on something higher than our situation. When we begin to give thanks and say, God, you are holy, you are worthy, when those little things that try to chain us back, that addiction, that stronghold, you're focused on something way higher than what's tugging at you. Well, John, that sounds so easy. It does, it's not. I think, though, with worship, when you begin to position that that's the blank. Worship positions God above our situation. For all you note takers, I'm gonna do the go back real quick. Under number one, freedom doesn't happen in secrecy, but in community. <coughs> Worship gets us from looking right here to looking right there. God, I thank you. God, you are holy. You are worthy. And I'm going to be landing this plane. Give me a couple more minutes. And here's what I love the beauty of this story. Now, it's great. It's great that these shackles, it's great that they fell off, right? Like, that's amazing. We're glad that that happened. But there's more. (laughs) There's more. Watch this. Watch this. Where's it at? You can't watch it if I can't read it. And I can't read it if I can't find it. Here it is. Verse, uh, verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul sh- uh, shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Cyrus. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Here's what I want you to get. They didn't use their freedom as a means of escape. Here's how I took that. They didn't use their freedom as a means to benefit themselves. But rather, they use their freedom as a leveraging point to free others. Here's what I need you to get. Is that when God frees you, it's not just for your benefit, but it's so that you can go around and let people know, hey, I was bound with that exact same thing. And God freed me from that. And if he can free me, he can free you. Perhaps that was what John was talking about in Revelations 12 when he said, they overcame the enemy. They overcame the devil, they being you, they being me. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Thank you, Jesus. But also with the word of their testimony. You are free. God wants to free you, not just so you can enjoy the fullness that he has for you, but so that you can use that as a leveraging point to free others.
he wants you to find freedom this morning. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.